This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I go and sin no more. You may be seated. Thank you for being here today. It's an honor to have you. I hope that what I share with you helps you. I always pray it does. Uh, I pray it is life to you today. I pray it maybe sets the course of your life on a trajectory of finding freedom. How many of you have ever met religious people who aren't free? All right. So meaning this. Uh, we do the right things, we go to church, we say the amens, we take our hat off to pray for meals because that's what mom told us to do. We say our nightly prayers, we, uh, you know, we, we just do, we do religion really well. We sit on, we come to church, we sing the songs, we sing the hymns, we pray the creeds, we take the communions. But in the reality, we're just not free. We're bound with things, addictions, lust, fears, anxieties, depressions, and uh, and I guess if we were selling Jesus, it would be a hard sell. The hard sell would be, why are we any different than anybody else in the world? We carry the same anxieties, the same sicknesses, the same frustrations, the same diseases. Uh, and so really what we have to go on is just this thing called eternal life. And we've really never even been there. It's all conjectured anyway. It's by faith that there is a world out there, a city out there floating that we go to when we die. Uh, and so we conjecture that based on scripture. If you're a Christian, we believe you die, you go there. Even people who don't believe in Christianity often will, if you die, you go somewhere. So, uh, and so that's kind of religion. But I, when I read the Bible, I find it so much greater and deeper. It's so vastly deep that even Paul says, I pray your mind would be open. I pray you would have understanding. I pray you would see it the way it needs to be seen and you would come to a place of freedom. He will write this in the book of Galatians. Uh, he will write this. It is for freedom that Christ set you free. That's powerful. It hurts my heart. I, I'm sorry. I cry a lot lately. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no clue why. It's, I did it the other day with the men at the men's breakfast. I started talking about Jesus. I started crying. I'm like, well, it's not like I've just met the dude. Like I, <laughs> I don't know, but like my heart lately is just, it's been very compassionate toward him. I've known him, Jesus, I've known him my whole life. I grew up in a home. Where you, I knew him from the time I could talk. I was told about him. I, I was taken to church by my mom and dad all the time. <laughs> Whether I wanted to or not. And back then you could stay home on Sunday night and watch uh, 
Walt Disney, Walt Disney would come on every Wednesday night, and I mean every Sunday night, not me, never got to watch Walt Disney. Why? I'm in church. Hated it, loved it, loved it, hated it. It didn't matter. That's what we did. I've been preaching for 31 years. I've been through a lot of battles. That's what this is about. He healed my heart. I've been through a lot of bad. I've been through a lot of good. I've been through a lot of happy. I've been through a lot of sad. I've been through a lot of why do I even do this? I've been through I don't know why God loves me. They tell me he does, but how could he? I've been there, but the older I get, I just, I see him differently than I saw him then. And it makes me appreciate him more than I appreciated him back then. And so, you know, forgive me if I cry because it's not like I'm crying. Just, I just like have this overwhelming appreciation that in some weird way he's tolerated me for 56 years on this planet. But then when I sing that song, he loves me. Oh, how I realize he doesn't just tolerate me. He likes me. And I think, how could he like me? I mean, I know Robin does, but she's kind of stuck with me. So that's why I just start tearing up when I talk about him because I, I just have this overwhelming thankfulness in my heart toward him. And then I have this really weird thing in me since COVID has come around. I just want everybody to know him in a way that says freedom. So let's jump in. As I was praying about this week, actually it was two weeks ago, I was praying about what to share. And I'll tell you how I came to this point in a moment. Here's what was read by Jody. He was speaking to the teachers of religious law. In other words, they know all the right things to do. They know the stuff to say. They know the creeds. They know the law. They know the Torah. They know you shouldn't get your donkey out of a ditch on a Sabbath day. They know you don't need to eat bacon. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so they don't eat bacon. They would, never, they would never have a tattoo. It's against their religion. They would never help somebody on a Sabbath day. Uh, they would never get drunk, at least publicly. They're just too smart for that. They're religious. They wear the right clothes. They say the right things. Uh, about these people, though, we're not going to study these people today, but I highlighted them because they're they're interesting crew. Uh, they, they do everything right. And Jesus' testimony is, you're a bunch of snakes and you're sons of Satan. And that just hurts. When you do everything right and I'm still a son of Satan... I toe the line. I read King James only. How dare you? How dare you? I'm still a virgin of an ta untattooed body. How dare you? Well, that's them. So I will say this. There's something about religious people that stand out publicly, but in God's mind they stink. I think it's how we'll get to heaven and he'll say, I don't even know who you are. I'll say, how could you not know me? Down there, I was astute. I was well thought of. I, I towed the line. I had a good marriage. My body was kind of hot at times. I mean, I, I did well. I, I treated people kindly. I mowed grass. I brought muffins to people. I mean, I'm a good dude. I paid for Ryan's cherry queso every single time we go to lunch because he forgets his wallet. It's the only friend I have that every time we go to lunch, I say, hey, man, you want to go to lunch? He's like, man, I'm in. I'll meet you there. I meet him there. He's like, Pastor, can you hit me? I left my wallet. I'm like, wow. He's smart, though, right? He's got it going on. That's, that's just a joke. We joke about it. It's true, but it's a joke. <laughs> Shiloh's going, yep. <laughs> Religious people, we do everything right. Well, I mean, I pay for Ryan, I bought his lunches, I love people, and you get to heaven, and all of a sudden God says, yeah, you stink. I don't even know you. And so those people brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. The Bible says in the very act, the, the way the Greek would translate it, she's naked. They caught her sleeping with a married man, and they brought her buck naked to Jesus. She's called in the very act. So it's not like they're conjecturing gossip. They catch her, they catch her in the man's bed. 
They drag her out naked and in their religiosity garb, because they're all covered, they bring the naked woman in front of Jesus and in front of the whole crowd. So if you could go with me there in your mind to see the audacity of what's happening is that there's a naked woman who has been shacking up with a married man and she got caught. But she didn't just get caught on Facebook. She got caught in the street publicly, buck naked, in front of a bunch of religious people who know how to do life. And they do what religious people do well. They always want to bring God into it. Religious people always love to bring God into the equation. What God thinks about everything, as if we would know. What he thinks about smoking, what he thinks about tattoos, what he thinks about women, what he thinks about women's makeup, what he thinks about a woman should wear pants versus a skirt, what he thinks about what version of the Bible you use. We always love to bring God into our religiosity so that God will affirm us. Because really what we want is his affirmation of my religiosity. We really don't want freedom for people. What we want is him to approve me and at what I'm doing, even though nobody in the mix is free. So what I want you to understand about the story, not one person in the story is free, but they're all playing their part. Religious people playing a part, but not free. Sinful people playing their part, definitely not free. So I will say as we go through this that there is a thought that you can fake free even though you're not free. You can fake it. We know how to do it. We say the right words. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God's good. Amen, brother. Come on, sister. Preach it, bishop, whatever. Next verse. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Probably why they're trying to define why she's naked. Well, why'd you bring me a naked woman? Well, she's, she's an adulterer. The law of Moses said you should stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Because again, religious people really aren't looking for your freedom. If you're not careful, religion will suck you in deep, but you'll never be free. You will serve, work. You, you will sign up for the nursery because if you don't, you feel guilty. You will work in the children's ministry because I better or because that's what they say. Everybody here serves. I better serve. You will give your money because how dare you be a Christian and not give. And then if you really want guilt, you better tithe because if you don't tithe, you can't even be a leader here. You have to give me 10% of your money. And then if you really want to go to another level, you give me 10% of your money and buy into another club where you give me more money. And we'll put you in a club of people who are the big givers, the movers and the shakers. I don't know what people do, but I'm smart enough to know that's how we can do it. And nothing wrong with it. You should tithe. You should give. You should be generous. You shouldn't be a stingy little nerd. You should help. You should work. You should serve. I don't care if you're anointed or not. You ought to go to the nursery and just help, even if you hate it. Why? Because it'll grow you up. You let a baby vomit on your Sunday clothes, you'll grow up real quick. <laughs> you don't have to be anointed. You just have to be willing. So they show up and they, they're brilliant to know the rules but still no freedom. So they're trying to trap him to use something against him, and Jesus, weird, he just kneels down in the dirt and starts riding, which is a just would make me angry. Like, what'd you do that for, dummy? We're trying, there's a naked woman here. She's naked, the man. Didn't bring the man, just, just think that through. My conjecture is he was a religious dude. And they caught Johnny with his robe down. Thought, Johnny, you might want to hang here a while. Give us her. You go clean up. We don't want your wife to know. Because that's what religious people do. We will cover for your hell and my own hell, but I don't want anybody else's hell to get out there. You know what I mean. So I always wonder why they bring the man. I think he was probably one of them. So he stoops and writes in the dust, which would just tick me off. Like, come on, bro. Next verse. So they kept demanding, give us an answer. 
So he stood up again. He said, all right, here's my answer. Let the one that's never sinned throw the first stone. And he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. I said, dude, what the garb are you doing? Idiot. We're trying, we're trying to make him mad. Like, here, just think this through. We don't give a rip about the naked woman. Our religion hates him. This isn't about her, it's about him. He's going to flip the script. He says, all right, here's what we'll do. Anybody here not sinned, throw the first stone. Now, if I was religious, which they all are, I would have hurled that stone. Because religious people are brilliant at hiding their sin. We are brilliant at it. I just read an article this week. They gave a pastor 36 years in prison because he was a pedophile in his church and he had cameras set up and was filming everything from children to babies to youth to girls, bathroom visits. A preacher! 36 years in prison for pedophilia from a preacher. Well, it's happened so much now you just go, stupid people. Like you don't even expect anything anymore. Because why? We're good at hiding things. We can hide behind the cloak of religion, behind the collars, behind the degrees, behind the kindness. We hide the darkness. So here's what happened when he said this. These religious people, next verse, it gets really tight and interesting. When the accusers, now they're called accusers, they're not called religious people. When they heard this, they slipped away. <laughs> I love this. One by one, and they went from the oldest down to the youngest. It's because I think old people are smart enough to know their crap. Young people still think they don't stink. Young people think we know all the answers. You get somebody 60 hearing anybody here without a sin throw the stone, they're like, yeah, that ain't me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not me. Now you're 16, you're like, I don't know, man. I don't know if that last thing I did last night was a sin or not. But the older you are, you realize you're a brood of snakes that smells better. But, but here's my thought. What caused these religious people to walk away when they had already been living in darkness anyway? What made this group of religious people go, yep, I'm out, peace out? When they've already been hiding their sin, they've already been living dark lives of evil, cloaked in religious garbage and cloaked in their, their phylacteries and their robes and their religious traditions. Why in this moment did they suddenly have an awakening to realize I might not be as pure on the inside as I present on the outside. You have to dig back into the prophet Jeremiah to find out what was going on. And the prophet Jeremiah chapter 17 says this about religious people. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be ashamed. And those who depart from me shall be written in the earth. Because they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. You better believe these religious people knew the prophet Jeremiah. They knew Jeremiah. But they didn't know Jeremiah in a way that could bring them freedom. They knew Jeremiah in a way that could make them religious. But not make them free. You see, there's people that know the Bible really well, but it's to make them religious, not to make them free, because they really don't want to be free, because they like who they are. They, they like their junk. They like their addictions. They like their habits. They like their lifestyle. They just want enough religion to make their, their guilty conscience appeal publicly to people. But they don't want enough of God to find freedom on the interior so that they live fully free. And so here's what was going on. Hey, Jesus, we caught this naked chick shacking up with Bobby down the... Not that Bobby, we just baptized. I, I better get a different name there. Oh, I blew it. I'm sorry, Bobby. I don't know where Bobby... Bobby, I'm sorry. I was just thinking Bobby. Oh, Jesus. We just, is that the guy they just baptized sleeping with her? Oh, God. 
I don't even want to pick a name now. Hey, Jesus, we caught this chick sucking up with so-and-so down there. Because now I'm weird, like I'm going to pick a name out, and your wife's going to look over. She, is she prophesying about you? <laughs> Man, help me, Jesus. <laughs> hey, we caught, this, we caught this naked chick sleeping with that dude down the street. We want to know what you think about it. I'm old, so I got to kind of scoop down like this. <laughs> Stevie. Shiloh. See <laughs> Ryan. Oh, ten. There's ten. Ten. What'd you say? What? Excuse me a minute. What? I, I couldn't hear you. We said we got a chick here. It was naked. And the Bible says she was in adultery. And you ought to throw a stone. We want to know what you think about that. Hey, what do you write your name in the sand for? I don't know. I don't even know him. How does he know you? I don't know how he knows me. Dude, he wrote your name in the sand. Ask him what he's going to do. Hey, so you're going to stone her? Well, let he who hath no sin <laughs> cast thine first stone at her. I don't know if that's how he talked, but it felt right. <laughs> and then he stoops down again. Ryan. Liar. Shiloh. Stealer. Stevie, good looking, but tan, great at faking it. Oh, dude, how'd he know that about you? I don't know, bro. I'm out of here. You see what's happening? They had an awakening beyond religion. And their awakening came because for the first time in their life, their soul became awakened to their real problem. And Jesus had to ride it in the dirt in front of them so they would know. Because the truth is, most of us don't want to know the real us. It's too hurtful. I don't like standing up publicly and saying I was an adulterer or, 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 or whatever the label is. It's too painful. According to this verse, I highlighted it in green for you. When the soul is awakened, it produces shame. And shame keeps you from freedom. Here's the definition of shame. It's the moment the human conscience becomes awakened to wrongdoing, shortcoming, or humiliation. It's when I woke up the day after adultery, a one-night stand, and when my eyes opened up, the first thing out of my mouth was, what the hell have I done? I know what humiliation feels like. I know what it feels like to be so far from God and go, how could he love me anyway? Because the, the conscience becomes awakened that you're not even deserving of love. The religious person feels like God owes them. God, God has to love me because I'm such a... I mean, I love him. There's something profoundly freeing when you come to this moment of shame and realize you stink to him and yet he loves you anyway but there's nothing of value to you to him at all but he loves you anyway oh it's the profound moment of truth when the soul becomes awakened to shame and to 
conscious wrongdoing and shortcomings. And I would say that most of us in here know that feeling of shame, but we're so religious, we're good at pushing it back. We're, we're, we're good to just push it under the dirt a little further because I, I just don't want to see that. I don't want to see my name written like that. I like my robes and my religion, and I like all the stuff that I do. Get rid of the names. I don't want to stand up public and go, there's something in my life that's broken and only God can fix it. I want to fake it. I want to keep the addictions going. I want to keep the rhythm of life and lies and habits. And, but I, but I, I just want enough of God in my hip pocket so that I can fake it long enough that I might make eternal life. It's that moment of human awakening. And I don't know, maybe that's what I've had this year. I don't know, but I sure do cry a lot when I think about him. But I think what happened this year is my soul became awakened to the overwhelming mercy of God. And that maybe it wasn't all about me and it was much more about him. And maybe all the failures I've shared with you over the last eight weeks, seven weeks that hurt me. I prayed, but I prayed, but I prayed, but uh, nothing happened, nothing happened. And and you, you suddenly realize, well, it wasn't about me anyway. I've made it about me, but it wasn't even about me. And then I, I start having this moment of, of pastoring people and thinking, well, have I just made it about me? And so over the last year, I've really had to think through what I die for what I believe in and would I do it. And, and I've come to, yeah, I would. I love him that much. He's that, he's that kind to me. And so now I just want everybody to know that God. I want everybody to know that freedom. I want everybody to know that person. I don't want to be the guy bringing naked people. I don't want to be the guy that's it's all dressed up. I, 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 want, I want to be, uh, let, let's keep going. I'll tell you who I want to be. Genesis 3. I, I, I've taken you way back, so we've got to go way back just to give you a thought. This is the first moment sin was introduced in the world. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful. This fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom so she took some of it and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Everybody say this with me at that moment. I asked this on Instagram. I never went to go look at the answers. Uh, I got too busy but I've been asking people what's the first result of sin and typically it's well God came down and kicked them out of the garden or you know they, they realized they were naked. But I, w- I want you to think of something. This is very important to me so I don't want to stay on it too long. I'm going to teach on Genesis, so I'll, deal, I'll dig it out there. But, but for today, I want you to rethink sin. We've made sin the result of it. She sinned, they got kicked out of the garden. She sinned, they died. But the very first result of sin, at the moment they ate, what happened? Their eyes were opened. Their soul became awakened. You see, God's not even on the scene yet. God's not come to judge them yet. God's not come to say, you failed me yet. Before God even shows up to say, you disobeyed me, their eyes were awakened to a humiliation. And in the humiliation of their eyes being opened for the first time in human history, the first introduction to the result of sin is shame. They became awakened to shame. They had never known it. They didn't know what it was. But it must have been so powerful they did what all religious people do. Let's cover ourselves. As you play it out, it becomes the coverings of all the religion. It becomes the coverings of the gold and the silver and the goblets and the the scriptures and the and the and the and the and the all the things we stack on to cover it but it's never dealt with i present to you today the thought that i believe most christians never truly come out of shame they just cover themselves with religion and call it christianity yes. to cover yourself if you want to know if you're there It's the never-ending futility of the things you do to ease your guilty conscience. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I swear I'll never do it again. 
If you'll bring my husband back, I swear to you, I promise you, I will. If you'll heal me, I swear to you, I will, I promise you. If you'll just bring my kid back, I promise. If you'll just forgive me this time, God, I'll get my family and we'll go to church. I swear, if you'll just forgive me, I promise I'll never drink again. If you'll just forgive me, I'll never look at porn again. If you'll just, I swear, I make a bargain with you, God. If you will, I will. If you will, right, it's that. Which most of us know we flunk that test within a weekend. Because we're really good at covering it up, but never finding freedom. What is freedom then? What, and here's the weird thought. Is it even possible to live life without a guilty conscience of, of things we do to bargain with God? And, and the preacher's coming and you're smoking a cigarette and you're like, oh God. And you start tucking, cupping and tucking. Oh God, just a preacher. Just a preacher. Preacher walks in beer on the table. <laughs> it's not even mine, it's hers. <laughs> she's a drinker, married a drinker, trying to help her. She's, she struggles, preacher. Really struggles, right? I even had somebody tell me one time years ago, they said, look, preacher, I don't even want you to come over for football. I'm like, dude, why would I come over for football? Because I scream at the TV. I holler and cuss at the TV when I get mad. I don't want you sitting there watching me cuss. I'm like, dude, I'm okay with that. You want to burn in hell over Georgia? I don't care. If you believed in Alabama, you wouldn't cuss. <laughs> but you see how religious we are. I can't even invite the preacher over because I want to cuss and he's here, I can't. How do you think that makes me feel? I'm thankful. But you think because you don't cuss because I'm in the room makes you any more free? No, it just means you're religious. You're not free, you're religious. If you have to move a beer when I walk in to Monterey, you're just religious. You, you, you've learned to mask it to ease the guilty conscience. It's why when you look at porn, as soon as you're done, you clear the history. You're smart. You clean the cash out. Just in case you cleared your guilty conscience. It's looking at all the images while your wife's in the kitchen cooking, but as soon as she comes in, what you doing? Yeah, just scrolling. Oh, man. But you clear your guilty conscience because you don't follow them. Because if you followed them, we would know. You don't follow them, you just browse through the spyglass to ease the guilty conscience. Never free, but we tricked ourselves that we are because we can manage it. We manage the guilt, but we're never free. Now when Christians manage their guilt rather than finding freedom from the guilt, you end up with anemic people. You end up with churches where nobody's ever really free and we're ended up by the world being called hypocrites because they pick it up and label it. They label us. Well, you're just a hypocrite. And then we say to ease the guilty conscience, well, ain't nobody here really can live it. I mean, I try to ease it. So let's go and see who I would prefer to be in the equation. And Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? You see, I don't want to be the buck naked person. It's too shameful. But if you really want to know what salvation is, you would do better to say in this story, we all do best to just be buck naked people. Meaning, I have nothing to hide. I'm caught red handed. And, uh, what you see is what you get. I sleep with men to make money. I have nothing to hide behind. This is me. So, um, your accusers? Ryan, Shiloh, Tan, Stephen. Where are they? Uh, I don't know, they're not here. 
So, so uh, they, they didn't, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. Mm-mm. You ready? Buckle up. It is the most profound gospel of what freedom is. Neither, whoo, neither do I. It is that neither do I that to me is the marker of a truly free person. When you realize that the one that could throw the stone and murder you and kill you and and do it rightly so looks at you and says, Honey, look, I don't condemn you. Get out of here and don't don't sin anymore. I'll I'll spare you the stories of what could have, should have, would have happened. But I want to reel it in in the next 10 minutes and tell you why I preach this today. Three weeks ago, I was headed home. I was on Fairburn Road turning on I-20. And I pray prayers like this just in my prayer time. And, my, and, and listen, my prayer time's not deep. I just kind of talk to him all the time. <laughs> like I don't have a moment I pray. I'm just kind of like, oh, it's all right. hey, yo, what's up today? Want to say hi? You know, kind of. I'm turning on to Fairburn. I'm like, God, man, if you see things in my life that need to change, I want to... I want to be pleasing to you. I, I, want to, I want to live what you live. And I heard this as clear as I'm talking to you. Mark, you've lived under condemnation. I want to free you. And I thought to myself, ah, condemnation? And immediately I started hearing all the things I've been sharing with you for seven weeks. The condemnation of, he doesn't really answer prayer. He let your wife get sick. You're not as spiritual as you thought. If you were spiritual, he would have answered your prayers. He would have healed them. He would have changed them. He would have delivered them. He would have set them free. God would have come to your rescue, but he didn't. God doesn't care. God's not there. God's not as powerful as you think. If he was powerful, you wouldn't even be sick. The reason you're sick is you probably got hidden sin. The reason the reason she's sick. And, and so all of it just started flooding back. All of the accusations, all of the religion that was put on me. Well, you have to pray just right, live just right. Because if you don't, this could happen, that could happen, and this could happen. And Well, what if and why did they die? You've lived condemned, Mark. I want to free you from condemnation. I want to teach you what it means to live without a condemned life. I said, all right, God, you got to show me. And Romans 8 jumped out of my heart. Everybody knows it. Here it is. I'll give you the... The actual thought, there's a thought. So there is there no condemnation. Come on, say it with me. There's none. If you belong to him, he has done what? He has freed you. There's no shame, Mark. There's nothing you can do, Mark. Stop trying to hide anything, Mark. Stand before me naked and just let me see the real Mark. I want to see the real Mark. Don't give me your King James. Don't throw me a scripture. Don't act like you're all high and mighty. Stand before me naked and let me look you up and down. And let me see all your garbage and all your, all your little idiosyncrasies of your personality. Stand there, boy. Turn around. Throw your hands up. Bend over. Stand there a minute. Yeah, you look good to me, man. I don't see anything. And I'm thinking, how could you not see anything? I mean, how could you not see that I'm a loser? Uh, I've lied. I've cheated. I've stolen. I've lusted. I've had perverted thoughts. I've had good thoughts. I've had, how could you? How could you look at me? I, and he goes, Well, I am. I don't, I don't see that. You, you would have to see. Don't you remember when I was in a hotel and I oh, royally blew it? Don't you remember when I was looking at porn and I told you I never would and a week later I did it again? Yeah, I remember that. But, uh, yeah, I don't condemn you, son. But please condemn me. If you would condemn me, I would feel better. If you would condemn me, I would go, yeah, I deserve it. Yeah, that's not the way I work. That's what the world does. I look at this, 
yeah, I see total guilt, but yeah. I don't condemn you, son. I, I hold nothing against you. There's no shame on my end. If there's shame, it's on your end. I totally forgive you, son. I totally hold nothing against you. It's the, it's the beauty of salvation. The beauty of salvation is the eradication of shame is removed forever. It's removed forever. And yet we tell people to come to Christ and they come to Christ and they pray this little weird prayer. Do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. Say it with your mouth. I believe in Jesus. Say that you believe he was raised from death. I believe he was raised from the dead. Do you believe he's coming back? I believe he's coming back. Yeah! You're free! Now, now stop. You know what I mean. I mean, But you're not free. You just said a little creed of something. Nobody ever told you that the shame of all your failures, your sleeping around, your shacking up with men, your drunken fest, your perverted thinking, your pornography habits, your, your mouth that just speaks vile, the dirty jokes you tell, the all, and they just bring you naked in front of God and stand you in front of God. And the God of the universe looks you up and down in your nakedness and goes, Yeah, there's nothing here I need to say. I, I don't condemn him. Well, how could you not condemn him? Look at Mark. He's a loser. He lied to you. He slept with another woman. He, he prays for people. They don't even get healed. Ah, see? And he goes, well, uh, here's why I don't condemn him. I'm going to spare you the graffiti, graphicness of this moment. How could you do that? And off comes the robe. And there stands the Son of God in front of me, naked. Nothing but a tunic on. <laughs> well, the reason I don't see him condemned is, well... Just look at me. Look at my back. Look, look at my side and look at all these scars. I mean, my skin doesn't even look normal. I have so many scars and my head. I don't even look like a normal human when my robe is off. But, um, yeah, the reason, the reason I don't have a problem with Mark's nakedness is I see my own and in my own nakedness of my own self, Jesus Christ of Nazareth has taken Mark's scars upon himself. And I hold nothing against my boy. Oh, it's not that he overlooked it and said, don't worry about it. It's that he didn't overlook it, but he took it upon himself. He didn't just overlook my nakedness. He saw it clearly, but he became naked for me. That's why the Bible says that he hung there naked on a cross. They stripped him of his royal robes. They stripped him of everything, and they left him to bleed in front of his mother naked. We don't show you that Jesus. It's too graphic. We put a nice little tunic on him. We don't want the naked Jesus hanging on a cross. But the reason he could say to the naked woman, the reason he could say to the naked Mark, I hold nothing against you, is because he hung naked in front of his mother with the sins of the whole world on him, and he bore my pain. And it's until you understand this, until you understand you will never be free. You will always say, God, I'm sorry, please, 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 please. I swear to you, I'll quit. I swear to you, I won't. I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. I'll start giving money. I swear if you'll just... And he looks at you and he says, take the garbage off and let me just look at you naked, boy. Let me see all the lies and all the snottiness and all the rebellion and all the garbage you do. Stand in front of me and hold nothing back. I want to see everything about your little losing self that belongs to Satan himself. And then I stand there in front of him and he goes, Hey, Shiloh, man, I know all your garbage. I hold nothing against you. Stevie, I know everything about you, bro. Everything you sneak around to do, I got nothing against you. Ryan, the loser, buddy. I got, man, I know everything you do, Ryan. All the promises you've made me, I hold nothing against you, buddy. Tan, you fake it well, bud. I hold nothing against you. 
You see, when you understand he knows you naked and he loves you anyway, it makes you want to say something. It makes you want to post something. It makes you want to tell a friend something. It makes you want to be able to go and live powerfully for him for something. Because he died for you. He gave his life for you. And when I heard, Mark, you've lived condemned. And in the scripture, there's no condemnation. So let me give you the final scripture. It's in the book of Hebrews. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your conscience from sinful deeds so you can really worship Him. For by the power of the eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself as God's perfect sacrifice for our sin. The next verse, hopefully this will sum it up for you for what I've meant for the last seven weeks. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let's just go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. And now what is the result of someone who has no more shame? What is the result of someone who stands naked in front of God and goes, This is me, man. And God picks you anyway, chooses you anyway, forgives you anyway. What is the result? That person in verse 23 will hold tightly without wavering to God. You won't have to go find them to drag them to church. They will be here all the time. You won't have to beg them to read their Bible. They read it all the time. Because when you release shame, you, you tightly hold on to him. You, you don't have people to beg you to give. You're like, man, i got to give more. Why? To get free. No, I am free. You need to read your Bible to get free. No, you read your Bible because you are free. Man, I want to go to church. Why? To get free. No, you are free. You're free before you do anything. But when you realize you're free, it makes you want to hold hope. And it makes you want to keep trusting Him. So I tried to be very thoughtful about this. I shared with you as many horror stories of my failure over the last six weeks that I could possibly share. Prayers I prayed that made me feel guilty that didn't work. People that died that I prayed for that made me feel guilty. Where's God when I needed Him? Why did I get sick? Why this sickness? Why this? But I wanted to end on a good note today. Because when you end with shame, you find freedom. And when you're free, you serve Him by holding on tightly. Someone asked Tina, will you stand up, Tina? In 2012, when Mark got here, I got a phone call that a woman was dying of stage 3 colon cancer in the hospital bed. And would I go pray for her? And I said, well, sure, that's what every pastor does. I didn't even know her, barely. I was brand new here. We'd just moved here in 2012. And so little Mark and his nice religiosity where I'm keeping score, wins and losses, and hoping, and I hope. I just walked in to do what God asked me to do, pray for the sick and they'll recover. And I laid hands on this precious woman who was in a hospital bed with stage 3 cancer, given a pretty much not a very good sentence of life. And two weeks ago, I was preaching about all my failures. And Tina was sitting over here and she walked up and she said, remember me? And I was like, uh, yeah. She said, I was dying of cancer. You prayed for me and I got healed. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. Come on, you can clap better than that. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. Guilty people quit praying. Guilty people won't keep praying. They'll quit. Guilty people quit coming to church. Guilty people give up on God. Guilty people say, well, I prayed and it didn't work. Guilty people say, well, I gave but nothing happened. Guilty people. Guilty people quit. Guilty people are quitters. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. So what? Keep praying. 
Well, I prayed, and, and, and. Well, the reason you're going, and, 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 is you're still living guilty. When you have no shame, and you realize he loves you just like you are in your broken mess, you're like, hand me another person to pray for. Well, man, you got nine losses and a win. I don't care. Somebody needs to know the freedom of God. But nine people died. I might not be a good shot, but I'll keep shooting. Because when you have been released of shame, you can't shut up. Bow your head. Let me pray for you. Perhaps the reason, this is only a thought, perhaps the reason you're not winning people to Christ, testifying, praying for people, speaking up when you know you should have spoke up but you stayed quiet anyway, maybe it's not because of anything other than you still live guilty. And you're always trying to do little religious things to ease your conscience. But today, the best piece of advice I can give you is lay it naked before God and quit hiding it. Now I will tell you something about this church if you don't know. I think me and Robin do a really good job loving you naked. Exposed we don't do well with you hiding it and faking it. I would rather you just say, this is me, and then let us love on you to get you to a place of freedom. We'll get you to freedom if you'll just stand there and say, well, I got nothing more to hide. I'm addicted. I have this lust. I have this perversion. I have this pain. I have this problem. I have this regret. I have this weird thing in me. I'm just bitter at God. Well, when you stand before him and hear him say, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. So would you today stop condemning yourself? Or would you stop being religious and just walking away and continuing on with the same guilt trip, hiding your problem, thinking you can master it, Would you just stand today before him naked and say, God, this is me, man. My failures. And then hear him say, I hold nothing against you. And then when you feel like that can't be possible, I pray as you take communion today that what you see is the reason it's possible is he beat the stew out of himself so he could say that about you. He took the pain himself so he could say, I hold nothing against you. Somebody took your pain. It was him. Somebody took your failure. Him. Somebody took your guilt. Him. So stop keeping it. Stand up with me if you will. I want to pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.